Good morning, LBC Radio. This is Corey Rosen with the Story Podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Britt Drakowski. Britt Drakowski is a local singer, actress, voice teacher, and musical director from Lancaster, PA, who has a love for every aspect of theater. Britt, her, ugh, Britt earned her BFA in musical theater with a focus on voice from Lancaster Bible College in 2021. She began her own ever-growing private vocal studio in 2019 and found a love for teaching. She has been blessed to work with companies such as Sermon Stage as a musical director and camp staff on shows such as Bye Bye Birdie, Suzy Gould Jr., Once Upon a Mattress, Moana Jr., and High School Musical 2. And on stage, at Sermon Stage, as on the uh, Old Time Gospel Radio Hour, 2016, 17, and 2021, she's been on Titanic and Prodigal. For Red Accordion Studios, she was a part of the Three Little Pigs. She's been a part of Lancaster Academy, Piercing Word. Creative Pursuits, Studio, Revival Productions as the understudy of Sandy Cheeks and SpongeBob the Musical. She's been a, she's also performed at Lancaster Bible College and Ephrata Performing Arts Center in Les Mis and Rudolph Jr. as ASM vocal coach and orchestra conductor. She is currently playing as the understudy of Sandy Cheeks and Ensemble with Revival Productions in SpongeBob the Musical. She is super excited to be on the story to talk about all things theater education <laughs> and the arts. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, no problem. So one thing I, I want to get started on is what inspired you to do musical theater? What show, what song, what what was it that screamed, ah, I want to try this. I want to do this. Um, when I was in third grade, we went and saw Susicle at the local high school that we lived near. Um, and they, their production was incredible, first of all. It was like one of the most amazing productions of Susicle I'd ever seen. And I remember sitting there and being like, I want to do that. I want mm. to do that so badly. Um, however, I was quiet and introvert, even though I still I am at this point. But I was quiet and I didn't ever have the opportunity, you know, to do that. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, then it was two years later that I was homeschooled instead of going to school. And um, I joined a performing arts academy and started started theater. So. so what was it like to do theater as a kid? Were you ever pressured into doing uh, certain things you didn't want to? Was, was there ever, uh, like, harsh rejection from from these you know the directors what was it like for you as a child I never remember any sort of pressure to do anything my parents were always like if you want to do this and you love it then do it if not you know we're not going to force you to do it which is great um as far as auditioning going I never sort of I think because I was young and at that point it was just fun. So the rejection didn't hurt. It was mm. more so like it was so fun to just do it and I guess that should you know be our mindset even now, you know, right. it reminds us that like, oh, that we do it because we love it. So that should be our mindset even now. But I don't remember any sort of rejection or anything like that. I do remember with the schedule, it was a little bit crazy just because I would be doing um, like homeschool in the morning, in the afternoon, then we go to choir um, and theater classes and rehearsals and all kinds of things in the evening. So it was basically like I was in school, but not really. Mm. Um so it was a, it was a full full schedule, but it was it was so cool, and it was you know not everyone has an opportunity to do that. Um, I was just really really blessed and thankful to be able to do that. So that's awesome. Yeah. So you were homeschooled and did this theater uh, throughout up to like high school, mm -hmm. quote unquote. Yep. And then once I graduated, um, I actually I took a gap year. And I actually was hired back by the academy that I graduated from. And I, I interned with my one of my greatest friends, mentors, directors, Bonnie Basso. And um, I she taught me to be a stage manager. I had stage managed a little bit before that. And she had been like, you're kind of good at that. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, so she taught me that whole year how to be a really good stage manager. And I stage managed... Um, for their, all of their shows that year. Um, and then I also co-directed acting classes with her that, that whole year. So I didn't think I was going to go into theater, however, after mm. graduating high school at all. However, I did, which is great. <laughs> what, what was your alternative to theater? 
I wanted to either go in, it was either going to be teacher, some type of teacher. I didn't have a specific kind of focus in anything or I wanted to be a nurse. So it was, it was mm. one of those um, <laughs> sort of, I don't know what I want to do. Um, I had never, I wasn't the type of person to be like, I want to go to college right after high school I, at all. Um, so I took, when I did my gap year, I went to England for a little bit for, and did some missions work with a family we knew in England. Um, and I was there for a bit and I considered staying in England and also like doing missionary work just full time. Um, but then I came home and I realized I was nannying at the time and I realized that theater was the mission I was supposed to, supposed to be in. Side rant, what was the uh, most culture-shocking part of going to England? Oh, my goodness. Um, honestly, I I think it was the fact that they wanted me to speak more than they, like, they were like, wait, say this word. And I'm like, what? Why? Why? They're like, you just say it so weirdly. No, like, you have the accent. Right, I right. don't. And yeah. they're like, no, like. To us, you have, you right, have that's it. That's so funny. Um, so that was honestly the the biggest thing. They, I grew up with a lot of. So my great grandma is from England. Mm. Um, so I grew up with a lot of British culture in general. Um, so it, was, it wasn't too. I, it felt like home. Really, it really did. It's so weird. And somewhere I would go back any day, any day. I just live there forever if I if I could, which I think I might soon. So oh, never know. You never know. Never know. That's interesting. Yeah. So back to the back to the schooling. Yeah. Um, you chose musical theater. What was the process of you choosing which college to go to? So I actually didn't choose. I was doing. Uh, I was started taking voice lessons again, um, and my teacher encouraged me to audition for Servant Stage, and I was like, okay, whatever. So I was kind of in this like phase of I'll. I miss theater, so I'm going to do this. I probably won't go to college for it. And then I was doing a show, and I met Mr. Felty there. Mm. And he was like, hey, like, he introduced himself. He said, I heard you're, like, right out of high school, and you're really awesome. So I don't know if you've, you know, ever heard of LBC. And I had taken Jumpstart classes Mm. during homeschool at LBC. And I was like, yeah, I know LBC. LBC was the type of place, though, however, in my performing arts academy that everyone went to. So I was determined not to go to LBC gotcha. at all. <laughs> I was like, nope, I'm going to be different. I'm not going to go to LBC just like everyone else. So when he said that, have you heard of LBC? I was like, yeah, I've heard of LBC. I, I grew up here. <laughs> However. Like, I want to go to Millersville just like everyone else. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, I would be far away, <laughs> far away. However, he was like, would you want to just audition for the program? We have auditions in a week. And I said, Oh, maybe. Um, and I remember I prayed about it, and I was actually nanny at the time. The little girl was like napping or something like that, and I remember praying at that moment, being like, "God, I have no idea what you want for me. I literally have no idea, and I just need some sort of lead into the right direction." And no lie, two minutes later, LBC called me, and it was some type of someone being like checking in after my jumpstart classes and asking if I would be interested in taking a tour of the college or Mm -hmm. if I'd be interested in going to the college after high school. And they were like, we saw you did jumpstart classes. You were on our heart today. Randomly, we were looking through a list and we pointed to your name and we wanted to call you. And I was like, whoa. And I I even shared with her, I said, two minutes ago, I was praying because I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Um, And she was like, well, you can take this as a sign if you want. I said, I think I should. So I auditioned literally like five days later and I was accepted. Um, There was like three of us that auditioned and I was the only one in the group to get in, which was crazy to me. Um, And yeah, I was offered like good scholarship and I was really thankful. And so I was like, all right, well, I guess that's that. So there was no sort of college planning there was no sort of like the hype of applying to colleges, seeing what I get, mm-hmm. you know, accepted to or denied. There was no sort of thing like that, which is, you know, kind of sad because, it, you know, people enjoy that. But it was it was exactly how it needed to be. So it was great. There's, some, there's something weird about uh, 
the journey to LBC that I've noticed among a lot of students, the way I met LBC was uh, I went to my youth pastor or my, my youth group and he was just randomly like, yeah, by the way, there's this, you're, you know, you're graduating high school, right? And I'm like, yeah. And, and he was like, well, there's this college fair going on at Salisbury Christian School. Uh, I'm from Salisbury, Maryland. Okay. Um, and, you know, this place I've never been to. I didn't go to Salisbury Christian High School. Um, and he was like, you should just go check it out. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I guess, I, okay, it's a Christian school. And I wasn't that big in my faith at that point. Um, but I was like, you know what? I, I do want to get out of here. To, I'm in, I was in a, a very bad relationship at that point, and I wanted to get out. And one of the ways to get out of there was by moving three hours, mm-hmm. or or at least out of the place. I didn't know it was gonna be obviously at that time, but uh, I so I just randomly walked up, and I I looked like the deer in the headlights. I had no idea what I was doing. I, mm-hmm. There was Ka- Karen was there, uh, LBC was obviously there, and uh, all these other Christian uh, universities and. I was originally kind of set on Cairn University because they had okay. like a music engineering degree. And I was like, I like to do music. I keep them, I, At this point, I had never composed anything. Wow. Right. Yeah. Some people think I've been composing all my life. No, I, the first time I ever composed something was technically the summer between uh, uh, high school and LBC. But the first time I like actually like legit, le- legitimately sat down to do something was at LBC. Okay. Um, so... But some, I don't know what about LBC's admissions team or, like, recruiting team, but they're just a step up mm-hmm. above every everybody else. Yeah. It's it's incredible the amount of connection they establish with you. And they keep with you throughout yeah. your college career. I still know uh, Rosie Lammy, who who was my financial advi- advisor throughout there. I, I still – I like, the fact that I remember her name mm-hmm. <laughs> still to this day, I, I after, like, two years – no, I guess it isn't one year. I'm shorter than I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, but, um, it's only been a year. It's only been a year, yeah. I know. It feels, it feels so much longer. It does feel so much longer. But, but I mean, that just goes to show how much of an impact they have on you. Yeah. It's really amazing all the quote-unquote supernatural happenings of how people get to LBC. Mm-hmm. So you came to LBC and you... What happens then? What What is your next big thing from LBC? You mean after LBC? Or, or during, during LBC? L- during LBC. Was it hard to fit in? Did you already know some of your colleagues? Yeah, I, I knew quite a few people just from um, the academy I grew up in. There were people here that, you know, I had known. Um, not super well, but that I had known. It didn't. So my the group I came in to, my freshman group, now, I graduated. I was here for five years instead of four. Oh, So gotcha. the group I originally came in with was, like, all my best friends now, like Sam, Richard, Tori. Yeah. Um, all of that. Actually, Tori wasn't a musical theater major. Anyway. Um, but our group was apparently the first, like, we were the biggest class to come in yet um, for musical theater. And we were the most obnoxious, apparently, and the most... Um, groundbreaking in the sense that we wanted to push the program and we we really did (laughs) try and sometimes it wasn't with the best attitude probably but um there was a lot of changes within the our first freshman year that were really really good they were really awesome the dance program was completely new um from freshman year to like the end of freshman year beginning to end the dance program was completely new Mm. We had a new de- uh, teacher. We had um, just all kinds of new new aspects to the acting classes. And it was just the type of thing that we, we were honest with every, everybody that we were like, hey, like we would like more of this or this is not okay. Um, so <laughs> I can't imagine as like, you know, the MWPA advisors are like, or what is this group? You know, <laughs> kind of the worst a little bit. No, it, well, because it got to the point where there were suggestion boxes everywhere. And I guess that's, yes. that's because of you guys. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yep, they literally always kid that our our class was the first one to be like just blunt about mm-hmm. everything, um, which is great. Which is great. Yeah. Yes, but it, it was just you know a big difference, um, and we as a whole really got connected to the upperclassmen really fast. Um, it mm-hmm. take, you know, I feel like it always takes to like 
the spring semester to at least to kind of be connected with the upperclassmen it takes the musical to kind of be like oh right. now we're friends, now we're friends yeah. however it it was so fast it was literally a couple weeks later that like all the upperclassmen were like yeah now the freshmen are best friends with us and like they apparently were kind of intimidated by us we were intimidated by them there was just all this like all this really weird stuff, social yeah. cues that were happening um but we all became super close so fast which was so lovely um and then the musical happened and the musical really solidified you know everything for the program in general um hello dolly was one of the most fun shows I've ever been in. It was my freshman show. It was still probably my favorite show to this day mm. that I've ever done. Um, so yeah, freshman year was interesting, and it's obviously I feel like freshman year is a ever growing time in your life, and you Absolutely. you go from one friend group to like your actual friend group type situation. Um, but and it's it's a whole new world, and you're getting to know yourself a lot. But yeah, so. What's it like to mingle with people you never know? Because if you've never been involved in musical theater, you get to know people in all sorts of ways. Uh, so what was it like to be vulnerable to these new group of friends um, dealing with all the stresses of school, you know, tech weeks, and all of this other s stuff that musical theater majors have to deal with? What was it like to be able to open up and kind of let other people into your life. Hmm. I feel like musical theater in general, you get very close very fast mm -hmm. because you have to be so vulnerable in the moment. And I, this is something I tell my students all the time, you know, in order to learn, you have to be willing to be vulnerable and you have to be willing to mess up in front of each other and mm -hmm. just challenge yourself um, and you're not going to get better without messing up. So that was something that was really instilled in us. And because we got to know each other so well, so fast, it really helped us all grow so much. And as a, like a, as a group, as as individuals, it was it was amazing. Um, so I, I it was never a problem. It was never a like this is really obviously it was scary at times. Mm -hmm. um, but it was so nice to be able to have this group of people that you were so close with. Um, and you remained close. Like, we all remained close and even to this day remain close. Um, that's just how, how tight it was. However, we do joke that because we're so close um, and we're in the same building 24-7 together, you know, like, that's when drama starts happening. That's, mm -hmm. when, that's when, you know, you kind of get annoyed with each other because you're seeing each other every single second. Um, so making sure to to take the space that you need, um, knowing yourself when you're like, I need to leave this chapel right now and, mm -hmm. and take space and take space from the people that I see every second, not because I don't love them, but because, you know, we are so vulnerable and, and do so many weird vulnerable things in acting classes that like people are like, you have to do that in acting. And we're like, yeah you have to do that. You just talk your inner monologue and everyone knows exactly what you're thinking in that moment because they have, you know, mm. you have to learn how to put that on stage and how to communicate that. Um, so it, it was always a lot, but you learned. I feel like freshman year was the time that we learned to take space when we needed to and, and push ourselves when we had to. So you had to vocalize your inner monologue. It was one of the many things, yeah. What uh, was there ever a person that didn't have a mono inner monologue? Me, yes. You don't have an inner monologue. Sometimes I don't. I literally was talking about this with someone the other day. They were like, "What are you thinking right now?" I was like, "I honestly am not thinking anything." And sometimes I just don't. They're like, "That's not true. You do." I don't. They were That's like, so "All right." So as soon as you like think something, you have to talk, and I'd be like, i'm not thinking anything in this moment you know right and sometimes depending on the day depending what happened i you know once you get started sometimes there would be like a prompt be like okay think about your day and then as soon as you you go sometimes mm -hmm. um the one the biggest thing that was actually helpful that we did in acting class was we had a um our dream journal is what it was called and we would literally write we would just start writing like you didn't think you didn't try to write about something you put your your pen on the paper and you just started writing to see where it went 
mm. then you could see exactly like, oh, I didn't even know I was feeling this way about this situation. Oh, I didn't even know this was affecting me. So like writing your subconscious. Yes, almost. literally. And, you know, in acting class, sometimes we would do it out loud, but it was really more helpful for you as an individual to write it down and be like, whoa, I can't right. believe that's exactly what I was thinking and being able to identify. Sometimes acting class literally was like therapy. We, we literally joke, we're like, we literally feel like we're doing group therapy right now because like we it. have to get yeah. to know ourselves so well to be able to healthfully be on stage in another character, right? Mm-hmm. And be able to put ourselves in that character's shoes. So we have to know ourselves so well in order to be able to do that successfully and in a beautiful way that the acting classes so many times felt like we were just getting to know ourselves and getting to know our little tics and what makes us us think and what makes us react. And yeah, it was crazy. So having to know yourself, what is one of the things that surprised yourself when you found out about it? Like, or what... I guess another question mm. could also be what 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 uh, what something about yourself makes it challenging to uh, mold into a different character. Mm. Or are there such challenges for you? None that really pop in my head right now. No, I don't. I don't think so. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious. Yeah. Um. So. That's really interesting that, you, that sometimes you don't have an inner monologue. Can you picture stuff? Like if I said a red apple, can you picture yes, that in your head? Yes, I, I okay. see things more than... However, I'm a like writer through and through. I I prefer to write down anything than than drawing. I'm, I can't mm. draw, but however, I see in picture. That's cool. Yeah. I can do both. I, I definitely have an inner monologue, and I definitely can see a red apple right in my brain right now. Mm-hmm. It, it, but it, it, it's always mind-boggling to me because... I wonder how do you read things then without mm. an inner monologue? Yeah. How do you because I, I would read it to myself and mm. um in my head. Yeah. Reading silently. They're always like read quietly and but some people can't do that. Mm. So that's always been mind boggling to me. So we we were talking about uh performing healthily. Yes. A little bit. How do you keep a positive mental attitude throughout all the stresses of do you wanna go ahead and like outline what a tech week is like? Sure. Yeah, so I just finished a tech week, obviously, like mm-hmm. a week, two weeks ago. Um, and tech week is honestly one of my favorite weeks. It's it's crazy. It's absolutely insane. However, it's the week that I feel like everyone gets to know each other and mm. even more. It's kind of like a step every in a more vulnerable, challenging place, but it's everybody just connects so well. And you're at the point where you're just playing, right? Right. So in rehearsal, you're you're trying to memorize, you're trying to learn your lines, you're trying adjusting to... Adjusting to the character. Yes, you're blocking... Yes, once mm-hmm. you're on stage, that's mostly solidified. Yeah. Obviously, as a character on stage, you are going to keep getting more solidified in your character and, mm-hmm. and more solidified in what you're doing on stage. However, during tech week, you're you're already on... have a level of foundation there. So you can just play with your cast and you get to know each other cue to cue. Some people hate Q to Q. So Q to Q is basically um, whether it lasts two days, whether it lasts a day, a couple hours, you are basically completely silent, which I think is why I love it because everyone's just completely silent and just like basking in the presence of the theater and presence of each other, which I find so beautiful. And I don't know why I find it so beautiful, but I do. And we, you start from the top and they say, okay, go to your first spot for the first okay. scene so it's like blocking cue to cue yes and okay. so then you stand there they set the lights they set whatever um they spike things okay go to your next spot okay they do the same thing and it's hours of that and you're standing there quietly and you're standing there sometimes you don't have to be as quiet but um in most of the theaters i have worked in it's more so okay this is the time where we're you know this is for your tech people so that they can serve you just as much as you know you Mm-hmm. They need that. Um, so it's it's my favorite thing. I don't know why. Um, but in LBC, we used to play this game called Sugar Bowl because some people couldn't be quiet. So Heather would say, it was um, Heather Greenberg, and she would be like, all right, we're going to play Sugar Bowl now, which is basically the quiet game, and whoever went is quietest gets a, a treat basically in the end. Okay. So basically we were like children who wanted a treat. Um, and that's what we would play. Did it work? <laughs> oh, yeah, for oh, yeah. sure. Yep. 
Yes. Oh, that's so funny. Um, some people be like, no, nah, I don't care. But, you know, that's whatever. Um, yep. So I love Tech Week. And obviously, the hours are long. Um, you know, they're like 10, 12-hour days most of the time. Um, and you're running the show. You're adding an element, a new element every day. So, you know, first you added lights, then you add sound, and then mm-hmm. costumes and props and set that you've never seen and never climbed on or never, like touched and you have to just be expected to go out and and do this thing um but that's the i feel like the most fun part of theater just more and more things being thrown at you and you just have to you're expected to just keep going and it's so fun obviously the days get long very Mm -hmm. long and at the end we're all very tired and then you're expected to do a whole weekend of shows you know and you're like dead to the world um, but you have this like theater adrenaline and again, if you love it, then it's the best thing in the whole world. Right. So it's worth it. What was it like to balance theater and then balance homework? Oh, it was a lot. There were days that homework did not happen depending on the show, depending what role. Um, there were days homework did not happen. Thankfully, some professors were really, really kind about it. Some professors were not, not very kind. and yeah. they would be like, nope, this is extracurricular. And we're actually, no, this is our major. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, this yeah. is this is what we're going to school this for. This is what I required. Yes. Um, so there was there was definitely a a balance of finding the professors that were like, oh, yeah, you're going to school for this. That's for that specific thing. That's fine. You know, focus on that for the week. Get it to me by the end of the weekend. Great. Thank you so much. There mm-hmm. were some professors that were like, no, there's no excuse you need to get it in and that's it's just a show I'm like yes but it's also what i'm going to school for so it, it's a little bit of a different yeah thing it's not it's not like i i'm going to sermon stage and doing it yes exactly it, it's uh, it's an lbc production mm-hmm. that is put on by lbc by lbc actors for the major yes. of musical theater yep so that is literally not extracurricular mm-hmm. this is literally my class yep Exactly. Yep, this is also my homework. Yeah, this is also my homework yep. in addition to your doctrinal statement. Exactly. <laughs> yes, that I will not have time to write. Yes, exactly. Um, even though, it, you know, it's, it's just as important in that moment, it, it needed to wait. Um, and, you know, focusing on mental health as well. Sitting there, I remember there were so many times I would get up to the top of the chapel after, like, a long rehearsal run. You'd get out of costume and you still have, like, half your makeup on, your hair's a mess. Um, and you'd be like, I have to sit here and write this huge Bible paper. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, you know, in a mental place to do that. I'm not in a spiritual place to do that. I'm not wanting to do this in the moment. So mm-hmm. it's like, I'd rather get the points taken off to put it in the next day than write this paper that's that's kind of trash. Trash, yeah. yeah. And doesn't mean anything to me. I'm not going to learn anything from it. I'd rather go home, sleep mentally prepare refresh and then move on yeah so being an obviously student you had no choice but to also take bible classes was there any you you had mentioned you were talking about uh being hesitant to write bible passages because we had our bible pages papers uh doctrinal statements etc uh because you know there are granted i I do feel like at LBC, there's a lot more graceful, merciful teachers than there are hardliners. For sure. Um, because the one shout out I'll give Daniel Carver. I was literally about to say that. Dr. Carver, so good. So Be like, good. Yeah, just get it to me whenever. Like, yeah, I love you. <laughs> Dr. Sidebotham is also like that. Very, yes. Very good as well. I should have failed so many Sidebotham oh, classes. Absolutely. Yes. He, he, yep. He should have failed me so many times, but he didn't. He gave me all the grace in the entire world, all Literally, the time, all, in the entire world. Yep, yep, that's all. Yep, it, it, it's and he's an awesome person too. Yes. Um, but uh, was there at any point did you just start hating to have to do the Bible? Yes, actually, and it was always a guilty feeling. You know, you're like, I really would like to have this burning passion to open my Bible right now. And write this doctrinal statement or write this, um, you know, dig through this psalm and take it apart. And mm-hmm. I would like nothing else than to love doing that. However, I do feel like because of the expectation of the double major, mm-hmm. there is this this little bit of, mm, I love Jesus and I love the Bible. However, 
it's not my real major and I didn't, mm. you know, this is I didn't choose it, this. Yes, I didn't choose to have a Bible major. I did by going to LBC, yes. you yeah. know, I did choose that. However, I'm not planning to become a pastor. I'm not right. things like that. This is my not goal. that it didn't help. You know, as a teacher it's helped, as as, as a per- spiritual life it's helped. Not that it didn't help. However, my for the longest time, it was like I wish this was a minor and not a major that I mm. could I could have a musical theater major, and I could minor in Bible. There was also so many music classes that I wanted to keep taking. Like I wanted to take conducting too. I wanted to mm. take another theory. There were so many things that I another piano that I couldn't fit in because we had so many other Bible classes. And I was here for five years and I still couldn't fit anything in. And I took three summer class, like four summer classes. So there were so many things that I, I, it was frustrating at times to be like, oh, I literally don't have time to get better at this skill that I'm going to take mm-hmm. after college versus because I have to take old time or Old Testament one, <laughs> like Old Testament one. Yep, exactly. Yep. And and fill out these maps, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, um, that's one thing I've realized. If you are at the MWPA department, period, um, and I'm sure this is the same for other majors too, but you are literally signing yourself up for full credits every single semester, most more often than not. Yes. Because we uh, people don't account for ensembles because we had to take a four credit and eight as an eight four credit and then eight non credit. Yes. Yeah. So and that's that is a lot of time, especially yes. like I get, corral isn't that bad because it's rather simple you don't have to do much practice outside of corral Mm -hmm. however for like instrumental ensembles there's expected practice outside of that and for your vocal you have to at least do seven hours a week and that's expected Uh, that's something i did not do at all some one of the things i kind of regret um to the point where i almost got kicked out of college because my percussion grade was so bad Mm -hmm. uh but um and there's so so many other like you know, uh, is it true that the shows only count for one credit? Yep. And there, you're, you're literally having three, like, multi. it should be more credits, in my opinion. Yes, for sure. And we're there two weeks earlier than everybody else, you know, mm-hmm. all day. Um, now, that has changed a little bit. It used to be we were there two weeks. We would get there January 1st, and we yep. were there, um, I think it was a two-week period. Um, it was for at least Ruth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so it was like, Hello Dolly, Mary Poppins, um, Ruth. Wow. I can't think of anything else. Mary Bye Poppins. Bye Birdie. Um, there was, yeah. Um, we had a two week process. We were there all day. It was so fun. It was literally my favorite two weeks of in the whole year. We would look forward to it so much. It was just the musical theater majors on campus by themselves. The sports people were also there doing right. their thing because they came back early too however we no one you know would yeah, talk yeah, so right. we would just have our own little world of just musical theater and the chapel to ourselves it was so nice um yeah it was awesome but so talking about um being only musical theater people that there is this at least in the mwpa mm-hmm. there is the musical theater group the worship arts and everybody else yep how do did you ever try to bridge that gap or was it just were you just happy to just settle with your group yeah yep um freshman year there was this joke that the left side of the chapel yes uh, that's right the yeah. left side of the mezzanine was musical theater and vocal performance mm-hmm. the right side was worship, worship arts. arts and it wasn't a joke because it literally, it literally what happened, it was yeah. it's what it was we and were you self segregated yes yeah. we really were and walking across the bridge to the bathroom or something like that like it'd be like why the stairs yeah why are you coming over or to the yeah. practice rooms or a class like th- we would rarely go to that that side because that it was just oh that's the worship art side this yeah, is right. our side which is so weird yeah, it was so weird so weird cuz we're all musical we're all music majors and in forum we would you know all joined yep. together until we split up a little bit but um later originally all mm-hmm. music majors you know for forum were all together instrumentals all kinds of things so it was before you know lbc grew a lot which is really great for the yes. program but um yeah there was this huge part that the worship arts was a separate group now my friend group my first semester can 
I had my musical theater friends during the day and then my roommate who was um, a basketball major and then all her friends were worship arts. So I would mm. hang out with them most of the time and I had all these worship arts friends. So I felt like I was in like two different, two worlds, different worlds the whole time and I didn't know what to do with myself. And then the musical happened and I was with the musical theater pe- people then. And it was like looked down upon then. It was like, Britt, you can't like... What really? Are you, what it, are you, it was these looks of like, why are you hanging out with the like the others the others yeah like this is the The musical theater group now like you're part of the group now you know (laughs) we're like like whoa yes that's kind of what it felt like (laughs) however years later obviously i was here for five years which is so long um i would say my senior year my super senior year i will say so my fifth year it was the first time that i felt that there was no bridge there was no there everybody was one which was so cool and we had never experienced that at all in the mwpa my theory is because they got rid of the furniture on on the other side (laughs) yeah that's true we couldn't oh my word (laughs) yes maybe that's why i don't i don't know i don't know if it was the fact that um i don't know we obviously changed the name the from yep. WPA to MWPA. Yep. There was this this sense of then I think a little bit more of a we're one group. Because mm-hmm. um, there was there had been a plenty of talks of uh, being unified and because there was there was a lot of drama that happened yes. over the over those years and there was constant. Talk. Granted, I was never part of it. I I was kind of outside of it. Yeah. I was there was I, in my mind it was. The theater students, the and the you know the rest of the people, and then there was me, the only composition major on campus. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, I was I I was like, oh, is there? There's, a, there's people saying stuff about, it. and I'm like, I'm like, what is going on? But so there was a lot of talks of of this, um, conflict. Yep. And I don't know if that was a part of the um uh, the musical theater and worship arts. Mm-hmm. Would you say that? I think there was there was definitely some. T- I wouldn't say no one I don't think anyone disliked each other. There mm. was just this this thing of we're not together and we we don't want to be and it was weird. Mm. I will say the first 3 years here at OBC felt like they were we were ourselves. We were one tiny little group, you know, of musical theater majors. Um in general, it was more competitive. Right. Way more competitive. Even in our circle of musical theater, like we were competitive with each other. There's a lot of cutthroat moments with shows, with classes. There was just a lot more sense of, yes, we're all in college together, but this is the career we're going into and we have to be ready to like mm-hmm. cut each other's throats for this role, which is not, you not know, healthy, healthy and not what we wanted. Right. And it wasn't until I think my senior year, so my fourth year, that that felt different. Um, and my super senior year was when it felt like completely done over. Like it, mm-hmm. we were here to to have fun. fun. We were here to learn together and challenge ourselves, even if we weren't perfect. Um, there was just this whole sense the first three years here that we had to be perfect. And if we weren't, we were not meant to be here type right. situation, um, which, you know, wasn't great. But I was really glad to see a huge change and i even see now being an alumni coming back i'll like walk around the chapel and it it's completely it's different completely yes. it is completely different like because i'm just thinking about the friend groups that i know now mm-hmm. they they are very inclusive of all different majors yep. and it's it's something i didn't really witness until my end of the end of my college career as well mm-hmm. uh where i could actually go over to Granted, I tried to break into the musical theater side as as a freshman, and it didn't really work out as well. But um, I, because in my mind, I'm just like, we're all colleagues here. We're gonna. Mm-hmm. But I, I did realize that there, it, it's a clique, and you have to be a part of that clique. You yes. have to be a part of the show in order to be in that clique. Correct. Um, but I would do it anyway. The same, like trying to reach it because of my musical, I had to, mm-hmm. and I had to, and, and I think I made it into. A little bit of circles. I, I I had meaningful, or I, what I thought to be meaningful relationship with Richard Thomas. Yes. And a few o- other people, but um, it was the latter years where like Sarah Ziegler 
came in, and I feel like she had a lot to do with bringing everybody together. She did. I love her yeah. so much. She's one of my best friends. She really did, um, which is just, it's part of her personality. And I will say there, you know, through the years, there are certain people that had different mindsets, and it's, you know, you love them, but you're mm-hmm. thankful that, you know, they were gone because you could, you felt like you could be yourself. Or right. You felt like you could be more accepted um, and you didn't have to be perfect and you didn't have to. Watch your words. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was <laughs> crazy times, but I'm glad it's so much better. <laughs> it, I'm very happy about that, too. So <laughs> we have been talking about a lot of college years. Yeah. I want to talk about a little bit more of your. Uh, after college years, what what was your first big break outside of college? Um, well, I was doing some stuff with Servant Stage. I've done stuff with Servant Stage for a long time, though. So mm-hmm. it, my first big break was um, I did was offered to be assistant music director for Les Mis at Effort Up Performing Arts Center. Um, and at that point, I was assistant music director and vocal coach. And I was working under this lady named Cheryl that has been at EPAC for years and years and years and years. Um, she's an incredible pianist. Um, and she basically said, Les Mis is a, you know, a humongous show. I can't do this alone. And I need someone who's a singer to mm-hmm. to push these kids because I'm a pianist. I'm a musician, but I'm not a singer. And I, I need someone to, for, to be a singer and to help me out. Um, so one of my friends was like, hey, this this job opened up you should apply for it um I was like okay cool um and he works at EPAC and so he was like you should get on that like now and I was like I might as well try sure Mm -hmm. um I had been you know teaching voice for a while I was like I I guess that could be good I can't I'm not a full pianist you know so if she's there playing piano I'm perfectly content so I put my stuff in and then um apparently they they interviewed me and a few other people and then I was called that I got the job and I was so excited um it was like one of my first things that I was gonna do outside of um everything it was a total new group of people mm-hmm. um I knew a few people from impact but I it was a, just a total new theater new group and I was I was so excited for that just because I was you know at a place where in my life where everything was kind of a new beginning um And so we started, I think in October was when we started Les Mis and we opened in December and we did every weekend in December. Um, And then it was a little bit later in the process that um, they were talking about the orchestra and how um, normally at EPAC the music director plays the piano Mm -hmm. and in the orchestra and kind of conducts and, you know, when they need to however they were like this is a humongous score and there is so many um meter changes constantly in the music that they were like we need i think we need someone to actually conduct it and i think it'll make a difference so there was talk about it and they were like did you take conducting and i was like i did i really Mm -hmm. really love conducting it was one thing that i wish i could have you know taken a lot more classes of and I was like, I would, if you need that, I'll do it. Um, so it was kind of up in the air for a little bit of like, maybe that would be a good decision. Maybe not. We don't, we've never had the, just a conductor before. Um, and then they decided that it would, it would be good. So I got started and I would tell my students that people would think I was crazy because I would, I worked at Starbucks in the morning, in the afternoon, I would go to Panera before rehearsal and I would sit there and connect conduct i don't know why mm. panera every time but i would sit there in a booth and just with head my airpods in and just conduct the entire time um and people would look at me weird be like what is this crazy lady doing you know right. why is she just sitting here conducting um but i it was i think the hardest i've ever worked on anything in my entire life it was also the most rewarding thing i've ever done theater wise in general um why i don't know i don't i it made me want to go get my master's in conducting. Really? Yes. So it was that impactful. It was that impactful. And it was that that moment where, so I grew up in, obviously I talked about the Lancaster Academy and we were in choir. And one of the best um, directors I've ever had was Mrs. LaSala. And she um, just had such an impact on me in choir years 
that I had always wanted to to conduct and I don't I didn't think I could I didn't think it was like something I would be capable of doing ever um so once I started I was like oh I can do this like I have a strong foundation and I have to trust myself that I can do this um and things I had questions on I reached out to people that I knew you know could help me um the orchestra itself for Les Mis was the most supportive group of people I have ever experienced in my entire life they were so kind um and they knew that it was my first time ever conducting an orchestra we had like I think 13 piece orchestra um and they knew it was my first time and I I basically told them the first rehearsal I said I need you guys to be blunt with me I want you guys to tell me hey this downbeat's not clear hey Mm -hmm. your pattern for this is weird I need you to do this hey I need you to do that I wanted them to be completely honest with me and they were and in the end, I, I, I'm not a crier. Even in shows I'm in, I don't cry afterwards. I cried pretty much after every show of Les Mis. It was just one of those things where you're like, I would like to do this for the rest of my life because it was just that incredible of a, of a experience. Um, and the kids in the students in Les Mis were just so we felt it felt like a, an adult show because the cast was so talented. Um, and the, you know, the reviews we got and everything, it was one of the best shows like EPAC has ever done. Mm. Um, and the reviews we got for the orchestra in general were completely different than normal apparently. And they just said the orchestra was more clear, more, um, precise, more just clean in sounding in general ever. Um, so it was one of those things where I was like, wow, like. I did that you know, yeah, like, yeah. like that was that was something I did and I was I I felt so proud that I was able to do that and that I you know received a it was one of those, one of those moments where you're like oh my major I'm really glad I went to college you know like I'm mm-hmm. really glad that I got um I don't know the experience I did in able in order to do that and it was weird because everyone was like your first big thing is conducting an orchestra. Conducting an orchestra, by the yes, way. Yes, not a musical. You're not, you know, starring. You're not doing starring, what you college Yes, for. you're conducting a musical. And apparently Dr. Bigley told his students that in conducting the other day, or a couple weeks ago, they were like, um, I guess being a little bit lazy of like, well, I'm not going to, I'm a musical theater major. I'm not going to okay, conduct Jesus. ever. Yeah. And he was like, actually, maybe you will, because maybe your first big break will be conducting Les Mis. Right. So you don't know. And they were all like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, you never know. And it's one of those things that I, as a person, am grateful that I love every aspect of theater. So I am perfectly content being backstage and conducting an orchestra. I'm perfectly content stage managing a show because mm-hmm. I love it. And I, I, it's it's great. I'm perfectly content music directing and being on stage. Um, and I think if you find that mindset of I love this theater aspect of everything in general, then it, it makes it so much more impactful to you as a person and to other people because they see, hey, she could do this. She also could do this mm-hmm. and she can do this. Like, so there it is. You know, she has this We in lessons I talk about we need to find a strong found we need to get this strong foundation and then you build up from there right Right. and you have all these little boxes that you have to fill and as you keep going and getting more skills even after college like there's so many things I still want to learn and be able to do I want to be able to play piano so clearly that like that's one thing in music directing world that's going to keep me back because I can't look at a score and just play it you know Mm -hmm. And it's something that I, I took piano lessons as a kid, but I was lazy. You know, it's right. one of those things that you're like, if I wasn't lazy, imagine right. how far I could have gone. Especially as a kid. Yes, exactly. Imagine how far right now I could be going as a music director if I wasn't lazy. Right? And in right. college, I there was moments where I'm like, wow, imagine that could have that performance could have been so much better if I just practiced 10 more minutes. If I just didn't choose to go out with friends and I practiced just a little bit more. And, you know, in the moment, you're young, you're dumb, and you want to just do whatever. And obviously, you want to be a kid. You want to be a college student. There's that sort of aspect to it. However, as a music major, you, it's not like other majors where, you know, your talent is shown in computer science or, Mm -hmm. like, you're sitting there. You You, as a person, are what you're going for. You know, people are looking at you all the time 
for this the talent that you have been given and that you have you know been filling all these boxes in to to learn mm-hmm. um yeah so it was layman's was my favorite thing i've ever done ever and it, it opened the door for epac then um and i'm so thankful for that because they're one of my favorite people like the gr- group in general they're so amazing and they're so accepting um as a woman and as as um just a a young artist in general there there was never this sense of like oh she's just out of college oh Mm -hmm. she's like it was like no you have the experience you really do so just use it and be confident in that i'm like whoa you're right that's awesome um so yeah it's opened so many doors they talked about um doing some audition workshops with me um they're we're trying to get their program back up um their youth program in general which is something I want to do. I would like to to have a, the- a youth theater eventually. Um, like own one? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So just having, you know, that, that start to that would be, is just an incredible opportunity. And then I, yesterday we just had callbacks for a music directing um, their next youth production, which is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Jr. in December. Big difference between Les Mis yes. and that. Yep. Very big difference. I was like sitting there playing it. I was like, oh, I can play this perfectly. You know, maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't have beat myself up that I couldn't play Les Mis because it's Les Mis, you know? Right, yeah, um, right. <laughs> but I'm super excited. And it's just one of those things where it, I never expected to be doing this full time and, you know, being on stage and then going to music direct something and then going back to Starbucks. You know, like <laughs> there's so many things that you don't expect to be what it is but it's it's incredible and that's i think the biggest part of theater is just being so willing to just do the work mm-hmm. and and go for it and be happy with what you get yes that's some some of the biggest mistakes I, i've uh, been seeing is that people are too focused on mm. one particular aspect when they have the qualifications to do so much more yep um just because you don't get this acting role doesn't mean you can't be involved in, in the production at all. You can be a stage manager. You can mm-hmm. be a, a prop person. You can be a dancer. You can be an ensemble. Ensemble is not always the worst thing. No, ensemble is the best. I'm you know doing SpongeBob right now. Ensemble is my favorite thing because we just get to be crazy the whole time. Mm-hmm. And you're in, there are certain shows that the ensemble is in everything, you know? Right. And that is sometimes even better than, than being the lead. Because you get to be in everything. There's some leads that are in the on stage for two like two minutes, and that's it. And then they bow after you know the ensemble that was in every second. Right. However, if your mindset is, well, I did more than that, so why? Like that's that's gonna make you feel so bitter and and not you're not doing it for the right reason. Right. You have to be have to you have to have an open mind when it comes to theater because it is such a competitive space. Yes. And if you have that narrow minded focused in uh attitude you're not going to be happy no you're not going to enjoy theater and you're going to be bitter towards it if if you approach him with more of an open aspect that uh, well if i don't get this maybe i'll get that if i don't get that well that's okay i can do uh, maybe uh, there's a because if, if we're being realistic every theater can probably use an extra stage hand oh for sure right or in even like conducting who would have thought um conducting is a giant part and there's not a lot of conductors so Mm-mm. why and especially if you come to lbc you're gonna have to take conducting and it, you might as well do it because now you know how to conduct and yep. you can always step up it's always about building yourself up for future success mm-hmm. and that's a that's that's something a lot of people a lot of young people don't realize is that you have it's not like one day you can just learn like two plus two equals four it's it's years and years of practice. I'm, I don't conduct the same way today that I did back in high school when no. I was drum major. It was, no. it's off, I was awful back then. Yep. And I, I've come leaps and bounds away from that. Um, it, it's because I had to practice, because I had to put in the time and effort. You don't sing the same way you sang when you were a kid. No. For multiple reasons. Yeah. Um, but it's it's you have to invest in yourself and and that's what people don't like to do they just want i'll just do it and i'll be fine and i'll Mm -hmm. learn it i won't practice for the orchestra i'll just show up there and sight read i can do that Mm -hmm. but it it, excelling is the goal not being able just to do it is to excel and knowing yourself enough to know okay 
this is something I'm more natural at and this is something I'm not more natural mm. at and I have to work on that just as much as the thing I want to work on. You know, I have singing always came sort of naturally. Obviously, I've came leap and, leaps and bounds. However, I could not sight sing for the life of me. I still struggle. <laughs> like, I... Musicianship lab. Musicianship lab. Dr. Gerlach was my hero the whole time because I should have failed so many times the fact that he never gave up on me and there were so many times where i'd be like i literally can't do this why am i a music major right now that i can't sit here and sight sing this and there were some people that could look at a piece and just sight sing it it right away and i'm like oh i wish you know um but then people hear me singing they're like oh you're you must be a good sight singer i'm like no i'm not that's something i have to work on so much and knowing exactly what you have to work on in order to to grow so much is exactly what we need to do. One thing that really surprised me when I was talking talking to, uh, <clears throat> talking to Dr. Bigley was that uh, he's a horrible memorizer. Yes. And that completely blew my mind, knowing Dr. Bigley and how uh, particular he is. Mm-hmm. I I would thought he would he would just you know just like that. So it, it's really good to know yourself and know your weaknesses and ask people about. You can't be afraid to receive criticism Mm -mm. because and you can't be bitter towards it either because if you don't take criticism you're never going to get better at what you do yep yep well it is nearing an hour so we're going to have to end off our time a little bit on the radio uh you have given us a clip of your senior recital i have you want to introduce this piece sure this is um a song called i'll be here from ordinary days um it's actually a show um about well ordinary days that aren't so ordinary sometimes um but then you have to just keep going in life that's like the littlest example ever but um this song specifically is talking about a woman who lost her husband in 9-11 oh mm-hmm. wow yep that's fun yep and it's just kind of talking about their story and then um being able to move on what was it like to practice that Oh, it was a lot. At the time I was doing my senior recital, I was going through a lot personally, and I was in a very broken state of mind, body, soul, spirit, everything. Um, and I would sob throughout this entire like song. I don't know how I kind of, this is literally from my senior recital. There is one point where I literally start crying. Um, and in the, my dress rehearsal, I... We literally stopped at one point because I was just sobbing on stage. Mm. Um, so, however, learning to sing through that, learning to sing through emotions, through, through you know, worst times in life was the best thing to learn um, <laughs> during my senior recital. So Yeah, and singing while crying, mm-hmm. that's hard. Yeah, yep. Not, maybe not the best or? Um, you just have to learn how to do it healthfully. Okay. Yeah, because I've heard so many things on like the the movie of Lamez mm-hmm. and how not very well was done, so, like cr- the crying and the singing. Yes, yeah. So well, this is uh, what was it called again? I'll be here. I'll be here, from Rit Drakowski's senior recital.
lips to say I went back there to meet him Mostly to see if he'd show And there he was out in the cold With his jacket pulled tight He took me to dinner and kissed me goodnight The next week we went to this terrible play Then the week after that drank hot chocolate all day Then suddenly eight or nine months had gone by When he said, hey, what you doing? song yeah. man oh my god i'm like listening to him like getting chills i'm like starting to tear up a little bit i know not <sighs> to end on a sad note but <laughs> well, i should have picked a happier one sorry i know that's fine that's i mean it just shows because there's there are some people that can perform songs and i don't feel anything mm. right so it, it's it's that extra spice of being able to make somebody cry through your voice because granted yeah the words are are sad but if you don't sing them or convey that sadness it's not going to do anything for you yeah so it, it was surprise what did you ever go to braiding crickies recital yeah uh the, the footprint song yes. at the very end yep oh my gosh did he sell that i know so hard i started tearing up i was and i'm not a crier either yep. um so i i was like oh my gosh dude Yep. Our job in theater is to be a storyteller, you know? Mm -hmm. So we could, we can practice all we want to sing these notes perfectly, constantly. We can practice all we want to be, you know, 
look perfect or seem perfect, but if we're not conveying the story that or the character that we're trying to get across, then what's the point? You mm-hmm. know, it's not about us and on the stage. It's about the person we're playing and about the audience and how it's going to impact them. Yeah. So you've kind of had this, not necessarily a similar journey of, of losing a loved one, but you've had similar hardships such as having your, I don't know exactly what happened Yeah. Uh, with your hip. Yes. Um, so I was diagnosed with congenital hip dysplasia um, when I was 13 and and I will get into that more yep. on, on Facebook.com. So if you want to continue listening, if you're on the radio, you can find us at thestory.com. Oh, nope, sorry. Facebook.com forward slash the story. Corey Rosen, C-U-R-Y-R-O-S-E-N. Where can they find you? Or any of like your work or oh, any of that yeah. kind of stuff? Um, on Instagram. Um, I usually just post everything on Instagram. And my, my username is... Brit.joy.jarkowski. Cool. Do you have a website or anything? I do not. No, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) I will. With that said, uh, I hope you guys on the radio enjoy the rest of your day. And let's get back to the music.